Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Gary Beasley. Gary, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic and uh, could not complain really if I, even if I did, who would listen? And uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm super grateful to have a great conversation with you. And one thing that I've just already recognized is that you bring a measured energy with you. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that, you know, because we live in a somewhat of a neurotic society to a certain degree today, but I appreciate the way that you show up and uh, looking forward to having a measured conversation today. What do you say? I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And Elevate Nation, welcome back because, you know, it's time to take it to another level, which we're absolutely going to do today. And I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, as you know, we go way beyond just real estate here. It's not just about the tactics. It's not just about the strategy or the practicality, but it's about so much more. And we're going to talk habits. We're going to talk mindset, you know, routine systems, tools and strategies, of course. So, you know, you can learn from an individual like Gary, who's elevating to a life without limits. So you can do the same or even more for yourself. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. At the end of the day, it is about that outcome. It is about what do you want to create in your life. And we believe that you can live a life of abundance, of joy, of fulfillment, dare I even say, uh, through investing in yourself constantly, consistently, and never ending growth and evolving and, and becoming more and being willing to adapt and pivot and grow, you know, as well as creating systems through real estate. And so if you appreciate what we're doing on this show, I'd be certainly grateful if you subscribe to the show, if you gave us a rating, a review, it all helps. Uh, you know, our goal is to really reach millions of people with this message that you can actually live a life without limits. You can actually elevate to a life without limits. You can travel the world. You can build great relationships. You can experience amazing cultures and you can live a life of happiness and excitement. So with all of that said, and with all this soapbox that I'm going to jump off of now, I will introduce you to Gary Beasley, who is the CEO of Roofstock which is a leading real estate investment marketplace, which he co-founded in 2015. Gary has spent most of his career building businesses in the real estate, hospitality, and tech sectors. After earning his BA in economics from Northwestern, Gary ventured west to earn his MBA from Stanford, where he caught the entrepreneurial bug and still serves as a regular guest lecturer. Previously, Gary was, the, was instrumental in acquiring and integrating more than $800 million of resort properties from KSL Resorts and spent five years as the CFO of an online brokerage pioneer, Zip Realty, which he led through its successful IPO in 2004. Gary also served as the CEO for Joy de, Vier, Joy de, Vier, de I, I, Joie de Vivre, which my, means joy of life. My yes. goodness. I like the meaning behind it. My goodness. But you're giving me a lecture here on, on, uh, on French. That's awesome. Uh, hospitality. Then the second largest boutique hotel management company in the country. Immediately before joining or starting Roofstock, Gary led one of the largest single family rental platforms in the U.S. through its IPO as co-CEO of Starwood Waypoint Residential Trust, now part of Invitation Homes. So, with that said, Gary, what an impressive bio, what an impressive background that you have. Tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio. Sure. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Tyler, for having me on. Um, so I grew up in, in the Midwest uh, in a small town in Northwest Indiana um, and really feel um, very fortunate to have sort of gotten onto the path that I have and we could talk about some of the things that I think I, I think I've benefited from some hard work and a lot of luck which I think we all need um, but um, you know I think that the being especially being out here on the west coast it's a very different mentality than I grew up with you know and, and so but I do think that my midwestern roots and grounding have served me well kind of throughout my life and throughout my career because um, it, it you know, those formative years that you spend never leave you, right? And so, um, yeah, I, I grew up, uh, as I said, in a small town. I ended up going to Northwestern um, for college, as, as you noted, and that was a different world. You know, I you know, went from a town of 30,000 people to a, a, a school and, and, quite honestly, didn't know how 
always going to be for it. In fact, you know, one of the things that we had talked about previously is, you know, challenges that you've overcome or things that have motivated you. And one of the things that my high school guidance counselor told me was, you know, I wasn't going to be successful at a school like Northwestern because people from our town can't do that. Right. And so no one had ever gone to, in fact, my brother was the first kid to go to an Ivy league college and there was my school is 2,500, 2,700 kids, um, massive high school. And they told him the same thing. He kind of broke the glass ceiling in that respect. And, opened my eyes to, you know, what's the art of the possible. And, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel, feel like from there, then the more you get exposed to things beyond your own um, sort of sphere, then you get exposed to more and more things. And as long as you're willing to try and not afraid to fail, there's a lot of different things you can do. Yeah. And there's so much there. Um, you know, you even led off with just saying that, you know, your path was really led with hard work and a lot of luck. And I'm a believer that to a certain degree, you create your luck or you're aware of opportunities, you know, you're conscious of opportunities and you take action on them. And of course, not all of them work out, but, you know, I find that to be fascinating that you led off with that. And, and it's also interesting that, you know, you, you just kind of touched on briefly naysayers that you experienced, uh, maybe even in the early parts of your life in the early parts of your journey. And I know that many of us have, have heard those naysayers in our own experiences as well. And so I'd love to just talk about that a bit. I mean, you know, was there a moment, at, you know, when you were sort of experiencing, Hey, you're not going to be successful in that sort of, uh, you know, environment. Uh, did you believe that? And, if so, I mean, did you have to fight over through that for a while or talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's such a great question. And it's, uh, I would say, um, you know, to make it somewhat personal. So when I was in high school, uh, this, I think about my life, everything sort of before July 3rd, 1980 and after. And that was the day that my mom passed away. It was my brother's birthday his 17th birthday, two weeks in front of my uh, 15th birthday. So, and my mom was my rock. She was my rudder. Um, and then one day um, she was gone. Totally. It was very tragic, obviously. Um, I had to make a decision at that point, uh, kind of getting through that. Um, was I going to, was I going to go off the rails or was I going to, you know, basically realize that I had to sort of steer my own ship at that point, and which, and I chose the latter. And so in a way, uh, I still feel like I'm inspired by her, you know, and the way she, that she raised me. And, and my dad was there too, but, but he was uh, um, not, not, not involved in the same way as my mom in, in raising us, which is often the case with, he was a World War II type dad. So, um, so that was one of those conscious decisions I made. And um, my brother and I sort of got through that together and, and I realized that I was coming from a uh, less privileged background than many, um, went to a decent high school, but had some great professors. And so I realized, or teachers, I wanted to make the absolute best of my circumstances and work as hard as I could and try to put myself out there. And, 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 and that's what I ended up doing. And so when I heard the guidance counselor tell me, and it was Mr. Alexander. I remember it like it was yesterday that I couldn't do it. I viewed that as a challenge because I've always played sports and, and I am competitive. And so I used that as inspiration because I wanted to show Mr. Alexander, actually, I could do it and I'm going to do it. But it actually, it very much helped me that my brother did that first. So in a way, I, I, I credit um, him doing that to show me that it really was possible. I question, I like to think I would have done it anyway, but I don't know. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, I remember him coming home and talking about that same conversation that I had two years later. And it, I said, well, Greg did it so I can do it. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety. Our team, including yours truly, leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. To learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com 
Again, that's cfcapllc.com. It was almost your invitation for inspiration to a certain degree. It's like, you know, you, you had so many decisions that you had to make in that moment when your when your mother tragically passed away, you had the decision to say, Hey, am I going to fold or am I going to, you know, create something to say, you know what, how can I, how can I leave a legacy for her? And to, you know, go in the direction where I'm going to create something, I'm going to, you know, forge my own path. And, and even that moment as well, when, you know, your guidance counselor said you wouldn't succeed, you know, it's interesting because we all have these moments that we can decide to either say, wow, are they true? Or, you know, are they real? Is that, is that reality? You know, am I, am I truly, you know, not capable or can I do anything? And I just think it's such a great reminder for us all that at any moment we have a moment for decision, right? Would you agree to that, Gary? Absolutely. No, hundred percent. I mean, we are our own, uh, you know, captain of our own ship. Right. And so, um, yeah, I just can't stress that enough is, is just having that willingness to believe in yourself and to take some risks and, and realize that failure is okay. And, you know, that was one of the things that I think I learned have learned since being on the West coast now for, you know, the second half of my life, I, or a little bit more, um, failure celebrated out here. It really is where, where I grew up, not so much, you know, it's, it's, my guidance counselor's advice was to do something safe and not make any mistakes and sort of just chug along. And by lowering my expectations, I wasn't going to be disappointed if I didn't get into a top school, I would just be, be fine. And, and, you know, it's fine if you just want to be fine, but if you want to, really try to self-actualize and, and get everything that you can out of your own natural abilities and what you could make out of those, then I think you have to ignore the, those who are trying to sort of bring you down and find inspiration from others who, you know, might have a little bit more faith in you. That's so powerful. And one thing you said there was just about celebrating failure. And even earlier, you mentioned the art of the possible. And I feel like both of those concepts are, you know, parallel to a certain degree. It's, you know, celebrating failure, you know, the possible only occurs when you embrace the fact that failure is not only possible, but inevitable in many capacities. And the other thing that I look at, you know, from, from your background, at least from my vantage point, obviously you've embraced your innovative thinking and the way that you look at, you know, something that has been done one way for many years and, and said, Hey, what can we do different here? And embracing the fact that failure is, possible. And you should also celebrate it because you are forging a new path. So let's talk about that in terms of thinking, you know, from an innovative perspective. I mean, how have you trained your brain to be innovative? Is it just the people that you surround yourself with or, you know, your education that you've come up through or or talk to me a little bit about innovative thinking? I think part of it is uh, my natural, uh, the way I'm wired uh, just my natural personality is um, I sort of, I, I get bored if I'm just maintaining something and, and I, I want to find better ways of doing things. So I, it's just a natural sort of curiosity, I guess, and um, desire to create things. And um, that's where I get a lot of satisfaction is uh, seeing, seeing problems or opportunities and, and, I like to think that I'm reasonably good at sort of connecting dots and, and making things happen and leading towards goals as opposed to um, just sort of uh, managing something that's already created. I think there are others out there who are better at that than, than I, because I am not as passionate about that. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with just leading things that are wonderful, stable organizations and, Maybe at some point in my life, that's what I'm going to want to do. But, but that doesn't, I don't jump out of bed getting excited about doing that. What, what motivates me is, um, you know, creating things that haven't been done or fixing things that are broken, um, rallying teams, those types of things. And I've just realized that I like going into places where I think there's going to be opportunity down the road and sort of work towards that. So if you could have a tailwind behind what you're doing or kind of see a convergence of, uh, you know, where an opportunity might be and then take advantage of that in some capacity, um, I find that motivating. And um, 
and I'm just inspired by it. So that's what I, I would just encourage everybody, whatever you do, you want to do something where you jump out of bed ideally and are kind of excited to jump in and do it. And, mm -hmm. and that's what building businesses is for me. Totally. And I would imagine that you've had to surround yourself with folks that perhaps jump out of bed to maintain or to facilitate and to integrate your ideas, right? Has that been a, something you've experienced along the way? hundred percent. I mean, that it's, it's a, it's a, obviously it's a team effort, right? You can't do anything totally by yourself. And um, I've been fortunate to be able to find the right teammates to, to bring together. And there are certain uh, things that I'm not as good at certain things I'm, I'm reasonably good at, but finding people who, where we, we compensate for each other's weaknesses and then together can build something together. Uh, I think it's also a big part is recognizing uh, your weaknesses and, and not being afraid to, to compensate for them by bringing in really ideally even more talented people than yourself. Uh, to, <laughs> I'm always trying to hire people smarter and better than I am. Absolutely. And, um, and, and so that, that's the way you really build, I think, teams that, that can win. Yeah. And it seems like the only way that you truly win is, is by being a leader, right. And, and facilitating and visualizing what is that outcome and what are the pieces that we need to, to put there and, and what are some other sort of, you know, self-aware individuals with talent, with smarts that you can put in those seats. And so, you know, let's talk a little bit about leadership and, you know, obviously leading multiple companies through IPO and, and so, so much really, you know, career success and obviously what you've done you've had to, you know, learn how to be a great leader, I would imagine. So, you know, when you sort of, if you were to think about sort of the ideal leader, you know, who is that? What do they look like? And are, I would imagine you're striving towards that. So talk to me a little bit about leadership. You know, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of really, uh, really good CEOs I've worked for in the past, and I've tried to learn from each of them. And none of them have been without their blind spots either. So what I've really tried to do over the course of my career, even from the early days, is try to take away from each of my CEOs, what does this individual do really well? And what would I improve if, if I were in their shoes? What might I do differently? And sort of making these mental lists. Um, and that's been super helpful because there's been leaders with very different styles. So I, I think everyone has to find their own leadership style. And I think that is very important. It's It's hard to have sort of a prescribed style because it has to mesh with your personality, the way you think, the way you communicate, the way you process, the way you lead. Um, but I, I know one of the things you asked me to think about previously was, you know, a book or two that I've read that have been influential and it actually overlaps with this because um, one of my old professors from Stanford, his name's Joel Peterson. He just uh, came out with a book a few weeks ago called entrepreneurial leadership and it's awesome. Um, and it really, I felt like uh, I was finally reading a leadership book that was describing what I've been trying to do as a leader. And basically what, he, what the, the book articulates is a, a model for what he calls an entrepreneurial leader. And his thesis is there are many, many different types of leaders you, you need to be. There, so he, he says there are five different types of leaders there's a presider, which is basically like I talked about, you're presiding over an existing enterprise. There's a manager, which is sort of the conductor of in, you know, working uh, just to manage a business, but more hands-on. There's a disciplined administrator. There's a, there's a pure entrepreneur that's a really creative, but not necessarily a good manager. And then there's the politician who um, really kind of knows how to um, use power and compromise and kind of do those. So those are all characteristics of different types of leaders and the entrepreneurial leader can do all of those things. And you know, when you need to be a politician, you know, when you need to be in and really be a hands-on manager, you know, when it's time to be a presider and preserve something that you've built. So, you know, when you need to be creative and that's really hard because we're all better or worse at each of those things. And so he does a great job of articulating with examples and, and how you can kind of rewrite your own software, your operating system, to where you identify your weaknesses and you become better in each of these areas. And so I would encourage people to read it. He's awesome. And Joel was a chairman of JetBlue Airlines for many, many years. Um, 
and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful leader himself as a business leader and an inspiring professor. And so I would, I would definitely encourage people to check out his book. Yeah, that's super insightful. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because it, it really resonates with me. And I'm sure it resonates with many of the listeners in that, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you've got to wear so many different hats. And to be an, an extremely effective entrepreneur, especially as a leader of a larger organization, or, you know, if you've got many different individuals who are helping you, you know, accomplish an outcome, I mean, there's so many different hats, and you've got to be very versatile. And, um, you know, I think it's so interesting. And one of the reasons why I focus so much on personal growth is that to be versatile, in my opinion, you've really got to be focusing on yourself and training yourself. And so I'd be curious to know, you know, as an individual who, you know, I would imagine at least strives to be probably from a, from a very humble perspective, you strive to be that entrepreneurial leader and, you know, very versatile across those five capacities. You know, how do you invest in yourself to be versatile from that standpoint? Uh, I, I think it helps, um, to be intellectually curious and, 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 um, which I am. Um, so I, I like to learn, um, how things work. I like to learn about things that are seemingly unrelated to what I'm doing. I, I find that a lot of times those, those end up providing perspective, um, and helping, um, you know, I think what's, what's, I've gotten better over the years of, um, being a good listener and I think that's one of the things that the best leaders that I've seen really do. They're, I think the worst leaders oftentimes are just spout off. And when somebody is talking or asking a question, they're already thinking about what they want to say, as opposed to really taking the time to consider what someone's saying. And I, and I think that's one of the things I've learned over time is um, really being an active listener and, and an empathetic listener, I think that actually helps you not only be a good leader, but a better negotiator in, in, you know, lots and lots of different things. And it's easy not to be an active listener. And that's one of the things sometimes I have to remind myself of that, where I'll be at an all hands meeting or something and someone will be asking a question and I'll find myself thinking about how I want to respond. I'm like, listen, she's not even done with her question. I don't <laughs> even know where this is going. Just wait, digest it, think before you speak. And so I think those are a few things that I've learned that have been helpful. That's very powerful. And I can say for sure that I've, I've really had to practice that skill in doing the podcast, you know, because I, I, I can yeah. either think about my next question here while you're talking, or I can truly listen and understand what you're saying so we can engage in a more insightful conversation. And it's very challenging, but it's a worthwhile endeavor. Um, talk to me about active listening versus passive listening. You just mentioned that, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that. What, what, how would you delineate the difference? Yeah. When I think about active listening and passive listening, you're, you're sort of, um, the words are coming in, but you're not actually trying to discern what this person means or put yourself in their shoes. And so by, by when I think about active listening, I'm actually trying to put myself in that person's shoes and, and understand what they're trying to convey and why they have that question or that perspective. And that allows me to tailor my response in a way that I think is going to be much more on point because it, depending on who's asking a particular question, it could be the same words, but it could mean something very different because I, I, I kind of appreciate where they're coming from more. And, and so, so, um, and it's really, it's just this simple idea of, of really trying to think about everything that they're saying and not just trying to position a response that you think is going to be well-received or appropriate um, for the audience. You, you see that you understand the difference. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And having the perspective of that individual and, and what are their needs? What are their desires? You know, who are they as a person? And, you know, how, how can I possibly relate to them as a human being based on maybe some, you know, primal needs and desires that I, I may have? And, and, you know, that's one thing you mentioned earlier, intellectual curiosity. That's one thing that I'm so intellectually curious about is, is just human behavior and the, you know, autonomic or, or anatomic, you know, sort of reactions that folks have and understanding that. So I'd love to just kind of dive into intellectual curiosity. I mean, is that something that you also relate to in terms of understanding just human behavior? What else are you intellectually curious about? I'm sure it's endless, but just curious. It's endless. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm curious, another book that I, you know, there's several other books. There's a really interesting book um, called Sapiens. There's one called Guns, Germs, and Steel, which I think is fascinating, which is really trying to understand um, kind of the history of, of man, right? And, and, and all of the different influences, why societies have developed in different ways. And a lot of it has to do with just the geography of where they were, weather patterns, what type of animals were there, whether, you know, disease was brought there. You know, you think about all these complex systems. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by how things have developed, how people have, have evolved, how societies have evolved, and how little things that seem like they're very trivial could have such dramatic impacts. And, and so I, it, when you think of it, I think about society and the way those develop aren't that dissimilar to the way companies develop or cities or, you know, even on a you know, smaller scale. And so then we can learn some of these things from these, these complex um, uh, societies and how things develop. And it seems unrelated to what you might be doing on a smaller scale, but I actually think it, it gives you that sort of perspective. So definitely curious about, you know, about that, how people, um, you know, what motivates people. I'm, I'm fascinated by politics. I think that's always really interesting to understand uh, people's perspectives there. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, in, you know, things like biology and I'm very interested in alternative energy. I actually had a stint running a solar technology company. Um, so I'm a big advocate of alternative energy. And, and um, so that's something I, I ended up, I didn't know anything about, alternative energy or the solar industry, I started off doing some consulting for a company. They roped me in to be CFO. We raised around the capital and within six months, they made me the CEO of this company. <laughs> so it was fa a fascinating life experience, but I went from not knowing nothing about solar to running this complicated solar technology and development company. And I had to learn a lot about how solar energy works. But ironically, my naivete about it was an advantage, at least initially, because since I didn't know anything about it, I had to learn. And I built a model that started with photons from the sun down to the cost of energy that we were producing. And I made this presentation to the board where all the losses were and things like that. And he said, that's the clearest explanation we've ever heard of our business model. <laughs> that's great because I'm, I'm a simpleton when it comes to this. I had to actually think about the business from the light to the levelized cost of energy we were producing. And this is where we need, and this is what this means we need to get to in terms of production costs to make the business viable. And if we can't get to this, then I don't think it's a viable business. So we should talk about what needs to happen to get to this. Um, and so, so, that's where you could sort of take, take it as a challenge and say, I don't know anything about it. Cause I thought about it when they said, we'd like you to be CEO saying, I'm not really qualified to be CEO. Right. Because I, yeah. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't know how to pick the right path here. Um, but I convinced myself that um, I had enough humility and enough judgment to rely on my, you know, the, the, the people who are working on the science to make recommendations and back that up with, with math and things that I could make decisions without mm -hmm. actually understanding the science behind it. But I ended up learning a lot over that couple of years that I did it. And who knows, at some point in my life, I may end up doing something again in that space and now know something about the energy markets that I didn't know before, but it was just one of those interesting life experiences. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it's almost like you approached it with the beginner's mind, with yeah. the humility of a beginner's mind. And you were able to bring ideas from your own perspective that may have not been clouded by the ideas. And, you know, really perhaps some, some level of stagnation from, you know, people just being so much in that bubble. Would you say that that was an approach that was useful in that perspective? In, in retrospect, I think it was. I didn't realize it at the time. I, I was, you're right. I was, it, in a way, it's, it's helpful as, as an entrepreneur, because, um, you know, you're try, trying to do things that have never been done before. So you're not sort of clouded by or encumbered by that legacy thinking, which tells you this is the way it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that is right. I mean, it's, it's kind of going back to first principles oftentimes. Um, I mean, people uh, have different opinions about Elon Musk, but um, you, you look at some of the things 
I, I read about uh, SpaceX and how he you know, went back to first principles to build a rocket. Um, how do you build one that actually can land that you could reuse and you, you could, you know, it's, it, it's really amazing kind of thinking there and very few people can pull that off. Um, but but um, I, I do think having that willingness and ability to go back to first principles is, is something that we could all ask ourselves in our own lives and our own businesses. What's, what's, what are the fundamental uh, constraints and what are the fundamental things we're trying to solve for and not be encumbered just by the way it's currently being done? Yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting and simplifying and not getting too overly complicated thinking about, you know, what are the fundamental principles here? You know, what are we actually looking to accomplish? How can we back into that? I think that's so fascinating and leading into your, you know, your business now related to real estate and, and obviously with Roofstock, I mean, how did you take those experiences into what you're doing now and, and how's that, how's that moving you forward? Yeah, so I guess I've always been attracted to real estate. Uh, My dad was a commercial real estate kind of developer, broker in our little town, very small scale. So I'd always grown up around real estate and was comfortable with it because I went to business school, figured I'd come out and do something totally different. Of course, I ended up working for a real estate services firm um, and then doing that, you know, um, and sticking kind of around real estate and technology most of my career. But I like real estate uh, because it's, the largest asset class really in the world, when you look at the value of, of real estate, it tend to, tends to be pretty inefficient, does not embrace technology very readily, has very high costs, lack of transparency, generally pretty low satisfaction uh, with customers. There's just a lot of friction around it. And it always felt to me like there's ways to innovate in and around real estate that um, can really move the needle. And whether it's a new business model, like creating a business out of rental homes and kind of being at the forefront of creating a real industry there for institutional capital or transforming the hospitality industry or with Roofstock creating a marketplace. And basically what we're doing with Roofstock is being able to trade homes ultimately as efficiently as a stock or a bond. That's our goal. And, you know, why why should it take 30 or 60 days to buy a house why can't you do it in 30 or 60 seconds? And what are the, what are the barriers to doing that? And so um, though, that's what we're trying to build. And so we've built kind of like an Amazon for houses where you could come to our site, you could shop homes all over the country, you could buy them in an online environment where all the diligence is done in advance. Uh, so you could look at inspection reports, title, tenant payment history, things like that. And do your diligence before you're actually buying it. And then once you, you hit purchase, you're just moving toward a closing as opposed to, you know, uh, making an offer, getting something tied up, then hiring an inspector and, you know, getting all that stuff done in, in, um, in arrears. And so it squeezes a lot of the friction out of it. Our costs are a lot lower. It's, we're all about transparency and really breaking down the geographic barriers. So what we realized was with a, a rental home, which is where we specialize it's super inefficient to kick out a tenant, fix up the house, hire a real estate agent, put it on the market, sell it to somebody who then has to find a, another renter. And there's just a lot of cost and friction there. Um, we said, well, that's crazy. You'd never vacate an apartment building to sell it. Why should you do it for a rental home? And there's 16 million rental homes in the country. Let's build a, a marketplace where we could certify those homes and they can be bought and sold without disturbing the tenant. There's no vacancy. There's no downtime for either the buyer or the seller. It's just much more efficient. And we could use um, a lot of data and technology just to make it very easy to do. So you could be sitting in, you know, New York or London buying a home in Birmingham, Alabama or Atlanta, just like you're around the corner. We just break down all those geographic barriers. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of investment I think over 93% of our customers buy in a state where they don't live. So we've just become that kind of real estate investment cloud, if you will. So it's all about if you have an investment thesis, we can help you with the rest. That's awesome. And, you know, it really all came from and it stemmed from a question of, you know, why does it have to be so full of friction? You know, why does it have to, you know, why does it have to be so 
you know, tedious and why does it have to be so costly and yeah. why can't it be easier? Why can't it be frictionless? So I just love kind of going back to that bigger question. It's like asking the questions that people haven't asked for centuries. Right. And obviously we've got resources and, and, you know, technology at our disposal today that make questions that may be never been asked before, you know, more relevant now, but it is interesting that many questions haven't been asked. And I think a lot of people, a lot of times people will say, well, somebody's already got a solution for that. I might as well not even bother, but you asked this question and it's, it's interesting. You found that solution. It's, it is funny. So, um, and then when you start a company that is truly innovative and no one's actually done it before, the biggest question we got when we talked to investors, this makes so much sense. Why has nobody done this before? <laughs> right. And some people are, aren't going to want to invest in it because it's never been done before. Well, if it's such a great idea, somebody would have done it. It's not necessarily true. Um, there's a first time for everything. And, and so I would encourage people out there who have ideas and people are like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if it was that good of an idea, someone would have done it. That's not true. Somebody mm. has to be first. So you still got the naysayers. You still got the people in your life saying, "Hey, wait a minute. This why? Why would I invest in this? I mean, it, there's got to be some problem, right? You're you're continuing to fight against the naysayers today. Do oh, you wait. still? Do you ever have to question? Um, you still have to fight against the questions in your own mind when a naysayer says something like that that to you today. Uh, of course, right? You hear that and you, you, you can't ignore it, especially when you get that sort of feedback from people you respect and you think are very smart. But I think what you have to realize is uh, very smart people are wrong all the time. <laughs> and, you know, you have to convince yourself if you're going to, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur, um, you have to develop a lot of conviction around what you're doing and just get used to hearing no from a lot of people. And that's okay. Um, it doesn't take, you know, I have a good buddy who recently got funded uh, for his company and he told me he had 111 no's from VCs and got one yes. Then he raised $41 million. So hmm. it, it only takes one. And so um, I think when you think about the, the characteristics that it takes to be a, a good entrepreneur, I think first and foremost, it's this persistence. And when you get told no, um, you can't say, okay, well, I guess this isn't a good idea. Like, okay, <laughs> if you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. You have to let the, I think those setbacks, instead of getting discouraged, I think you have to get more determined. Mm. And it's those entrepreneurs who do not stop that eventually it will likely happen if there's a chance that the idea has a kernel of being, being right. I mean, it has so many things have to go right for a business to get off the ground. It has to be Obviously, a decent idea. You have to find product market fit, customers, financing, build a cult, you know, all that kind of stuff. But unless you are really, really, um, uh, unless you have the grit to deal with all of the all the difficulties around it, it will fail. And you just have to be committed to that. And you can't you can't take those criticisms to heart because most people aren't going to ever start a company. You know why? Why? Because it's really hard. And most of the time it doesn't work, but when it does, it's incredibly fun and incredibly rewarding, both intellectually um, and, you know, hopefully financially, if it works out well that way. But if you're doing something you're passionate about, then it's not like work. It's you, right. You're, yeah. you're, you're creating something and um, you're working toward a real goal. And that's what I love about, about being an entrepreneur, but I, I just can't, uh, I can't tell you how important it is to, and I tell this to my kids as well, you know, just keep pushing through. And, and without that, it's, it's likely not going to happen. The success isn't going to drop in your lap. Yeah. I think it's, it's so interesting just as entrepreneurs and folks that are trying to build something, you know, we have to fight against our, our natural human conditions, you know, like persistence in my opinion, and this, there's no science behind this, but it's, it, I, I don't feel like it's natural, right? You have to, it's an uphill yeah. battle. And when you have a setback, it's normally you want to say, well, I probably shouldn't go down that path, but you have to fight against that. And I think yeah, there's I mean, a lot of growth in that the definition of insanity, right? Doing right. over and over and expecting a different result. Well, I'll tell you what, all entrepreneurs have a degree of insanity, if that's the case, yeah. because you're talking to people and they're telling you it's crazy. No, no, you will get back to you and they don't. And you're like, well, okay. The natural thing would be to say, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. I should be doing, 
I should be doing something else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a great reminder for somebody listening that's had that no, maybe a hundred times, maybe even more, that's just thinking about giving up. But you know what? Maybe you're one inch away from striking oil or striking gold or whatever. I mean, obviously I'm talking in in, in metaphoric, you know, description, but it's, it is so interesting to recognize that you've got to continue to be determined. You've got to continue to utilize grit and be persistent. Um, because you know, ultimately God's delays are not God's denials. I believe that. And, uh, if you continue to push through, I think that anything is possible and it is all about commitment. It's not about being interested, you know, and, and thinking about, Hey, I'd love to drive the Lamborghini and have the flashy lifestyle. It's about, you know, what, how committed are you? Because sometimes it's a reminder that, you know, roadblocks are the test for your commitment. At least that's been the case for me and many other folks that I work with. And and it's exciting. Um, Would you, has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. You know, I I think you could look at setbacks and um, in different ways. So for example, the the first time I applied to business school, uh, I just applied to Stanford, the one school I really wanted to go to and I didn't get in. And, um, the guy who wrote my recommendation from my firm um, took it upon himself to reach out to the admissions director and find out see if he could get any feedback for me. And the feedback was um, looks like a good applicant, but we have a lot of great applicants. Um, doesn't have quite as much leadership experience at work and his GMAT scores are good, but they're not great. So that would be my feedback. So he sat me in his office and he goes, all right, Gary, if you really want to go to Stanford, here's what you need to do. You need to take a Stanley Kaplan class and because I know you didn't really study for it, ace the GMAT, and then I'm going to give you two projects to run over the next year and you're going to be able to write about your leadership and how you've grown in your third year here. And so that's what I did. I took the class and he gave me some projects to run. I reapplied and I said, this is what I've done over the last year and I got in. And, and so it was, to me, it was like this idea of getting more determined rather than, um, you know, uh, just moving on. But, but it, it taught me a couple things. One is when you get denied, if you could find out the reasons of why it didn't work and address those, and then you have a, a fighting chance. Mm. I was lucky that he took the initiative to try to get that feedback from me because absent that I didn't really know. I thought my GMAT scores were fine and I thought I had plenty of work experience. So I would have reapplied and probably would have ended up going somewhere else. And who knows, I may have been more, more successful or I don't know, but I, it's been a good path for me, but it worked. And, and so I now try to do that when, when I come across people and can help them in a way like that and say, you know, it took him 15 minutes to make that phone call and get that feedback and it changed my life. And so I try to do that whenever I can take 15 minutes or 30 minutes and do something that could, you know, maybe, you know, help someone in that regard. I find that very personally rewarding. And I think about him all the time. Um, and in fact, ironically, um, his name's Wade. I ran into him at a, at a benefit for the, the Navy SEALs Foundation in New York in early March, ran into him. I hadn't seen him in many years and um, it was awesome. And I reminded him, I said, Hey man, you uh, changed my life back, back in the day. And I still haven't forgotten it. And so, wow. That's incredible. That's an incredible story. And it's one of those that, you know, it's like face the brutal facts, right? Sometimes we don't want to know the bad news. It's like, Oh gosh, I got denied. So uh, I just, I'm, I'm awful. You know, I can't believe that. And I don't even want to know why I didn't get accepted and I I just give up. I'm going to go on another path. But when you get that actionable feedback, not only have you showed, you know, the universe and that other party that you're willing to go the extra mile and several extra miles, perhaps, you know, if you're willing to take action on that, then, Hey, look, here's what I've done. I'm making an argument as to why, you know, I'm willing to be coachable and and resourceful and and all these things. So that's, that's a super inspiring story. And I know that we've all got something that we can take action on right now that we can apply that for. So really appreciate that. And uh, Gary, I want to be super respectful of your time. Uh, I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. It's all about going the extra mile. It's all about raising the bar and elevating to a life without limits because it is about in those moments of decision, what you decide to do. Are you going to go down one path? Are you going to go down, you know, the opposite? And so I think it's a great reminder for us all 
here. And I've got just a few questions for you. Um, you've already talked about a few books. so I'm going to push you a little bit further here. If you yeah. had to point to two or three of the most impactful books beyond what we've already discussed, what would those be and why? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say um, one book that I found particularly inspiring is, is Unbroken. I don't know if you've read that Louis Zamperini. Um, it, he, I actually met him a, a, a year before he died. He, he spoke out here and found that incredibly inspiring. And so as we, as we talk about grit and determination, I can't think of a better story than, than that. I mean, that is an absolutely just, just incredible one. Um, so I would say I find inspiration and I've, I've probably read that book two or three times now because it just reminds you that you could pretty much over, if he could do that, overcome pretty much anything. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from the show, this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come first serve and demand high touch one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and I I love, um, you know, reading for inspiration and and reminding me that, hey, look, you know, anything, anything is possible. And, you know, I was actually talking about this with someone else recently, but it's almost like a, it's a new support beam for why anything is possible. So, you know, reading those books and getting a, a new frame of reference that what you're looking to accomplish may seem crazy. You may be thinking huge and maybe you don't have a reference point around you, but guess what? There are other people who have done massive things. You talked about Elon Musk. You've talked about all of these other inspiring sort of circumstances that have occurred in your life and others that you you appreciate. So I just I just love books for that and, and so many other reasons, obviously from from what it can develop in your in your mind and and uh, you know just so many other. I mean, I, I could go on for hours and hours and hours on this topic, but I appreciate you uh, giving us a look there. Um, talk a little bit about you know what's the biggest way that you would say beyond what we've already talked about today that you elevate your life on a daily basis. Well, I, I would say for me, um, I laugh a lot. I think it's important to find, find joy in what you're doing on a daily basis. Um, you know, I'd stay active physically. So I try to do some sort of exercise every day. I like to mountain bike, I work out. And so I've gotten much better at that. When you look at kind of the benefits of, of, uh, sequest- you know, of, of, of COVID and being sequestered, I now have no excuse not to work out because I'm not, you know, at the office getting back late or whatever. So I 
I, and I find I feel so much better. And so even when you get back to that, I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully maintain that in my life. Um, I, I try, so I try to maintain balance and take breaks. And I was just, I mentioned to you before we got on the air, I just had a virtual coffee with eight people in my company and we were talking about how to deal with stress. And one of the things that I do is I do try to take regular breaks during the day and if, and you know, go for a walk, try I, I, I meditate on a, you know, I try to do that at least, you know, some period of time every day to really clear my mind. I find that that helps tremendously. And I also reach out to people um, who are friends, uh, either family members or friends who have nothing to do with my work life. Um, and I find that that's a great escape for me. If I could go have a, a 15 or 20 minute conversation with a friend who I might not have talked to in six months, it really takes me away. And then I, come, I actually feel like I come back refreshed. And, I, and that's something I started a few months ago and really during the quarantine period. And I found that that's been a really nice tool for me to kind of virtually, because we, we lack this connectivity now with people. I'm used to being in my office with a hundred people and it's chaotic and, and all that. And so now it's my, you know, I'm here at home or, you know, in, wherever we are at that. So I think as social creatures, we lack that. And, and I don't really get that with social media. I, 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 I don't find the same level of, of connection. Um, in fact, sometimes I think social media can make us feel more disconnected than ever you're just looking at everyone's highlight reels i get much more of a of a, a you know energy and positivity from actually having these conversations yeah wow there's there's so much there and i mean honestly all of that is a topic of even a much more wide ranging conversation than we've already had but i just think there's there's so much value and and just you know a few of the things i'd highlight is just you know laughter um you know being willing to you know, cut up a little bit and not be too serious um, is there's so much value in that. And I have to remind myself that too, because I'm so driven to create, you know, massive results and, and to help other people and to do big things. And I would imagine most of the people listening to the show feel the same way, but you know what, we have to enjoy, we have to have fun, we have to laugh. And so there's so much value there. And, and, and of course, exercise too, no matter where you are in your life. I mean, we're still human beings. We're still, you know, at the end of the day, we're animals. You know, we, we've got we've to think about, uh, you know, our vehicle and, and, and who we are and our bodies and what that can make us feel like and how we can pour into other people when we feel good. And if we can last, you know, longevity, we can, we can impact more people and we can do greater things. So there's just such a depth of, of wisdom there. So is there anything else you'd add to that? No, I think you actually summed, summed it up really well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it, 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 and laughter has been proven to be probably the best thing for stress relief too, it, 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 scientifically. So um, I, I think making that a, a goal of, of not taking ourselves too seriously um, and you know, whether it's with your family or with your company, I, I do think as a leader, um, I think it also shows a lot of vulnerability um, mm. and create an environment where, um, you know, it, when it's, it's like breaking bread together, you know, laughing together. I think it's just a very healthy thing. Yeah. And then also, you know, a couple of things you, you mentioned there as far as meditation. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious that you have a practice of meditation. I mean, you show up with presence, you show up with a calm energy and that, you know, that obviously comes from a long, you know, a long practice, a consistent, you know, daily practice, which is also a great takeaway for the audience. You know, how can you show up without, you know, an erratic energy, I think is a huge thing. And you can be so much more effective because of the power of now, like, where are you right now? That's how I win. Where am I? You know, what am I doing now? W-I-N. And so I think that that's so powerful, not only obviously just the mental health aspects, but just being effective as an individual. And then also stepping away from, you know, your profession with others who may not be related to what you're doing. It's, it's a great way to kind of give yourself a little mental break. So just a, just a great recap of what you just mentioned there. So I appreciate all of that. What would you say, Gary, is the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Yeah, so um, I, I liked, and I think we've talked about some of this, but I think that I think being an active listener helps because people know they're being heard, and um, so I, I think that's important. I think I hold people to a pretty high standard but also try to remove the block, the blockers to their success. 
And so I think there's a, there's an element of making people, giving people stretch goals and then helping them achieve them and helping them, uh, uh, with the, you know, making them accountable, but also making them feel supported. And if those goals aren't achieved, trying to help them realize why, whether was it an exogenous factor that nobody could control, that's cool. Whether it was a lack of effort, that's where I have a problem and that's where we, it's coachable um, or, you know, not working well with a team or whatever. So, so I think it's, a, it's, it's that. It's make, giving people sort of clear direction as to where we want to go organizationally and then giving, helping them push themselves to create some stretch goals and then helping them achieve them, if not provide the right coaching and, and also giving them license to fail which we've talked about if, if, if you don't achieve them and it's for reasons that are beyond your control, that's life, right? That's okay. Yeah. I'd say that's the definition of great leadership right there. And, and it is so inspiring to see, you know, folks stretch and accomplish things that they maybe didn't originally believe were possible and, and you giving them the resources and the empowerment to make it happen and also the space to fail because we all make mistakes. And if you feel like you can't fail, then you're never going to strive for something more. And that's really been the great theme of our conversation today. Cool. I love it. Gary, what an amazing conversation today. I really appreciate you. Any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd leave with Elevate Nation today? You know, I, I just got to say, I, you know, I've, I've done a number of podcasts. Um, this has been super interesting and refreshing because you, your, your title of this, you know, the whole theme of elevating, I think is really, really a powerful one. A lot of times uh, these conversations can get extremely tactical and, mundane and some of these themes that we've had a chance to talk about, I think are more universal truths that people could then apply in their own way and maybe digest. And what I hope is maybe there's one or two nuggets out of this that most people can get. And at least you maybe have a positive influence on on their life. And we could have spent, you know, an hour talking about rootstock and how that works. And that's all great. People can go check that out and maybe they want to do some real estate investing and that's a whole but that's, that's much more tactical. Um, this, this I, I enjoy it and I, I applaud your approach to the show and I, I appreciate your uh, having me on. Well, I'm super grateful for those kind words. And, you know, I do believe that anything is possible if we, if we open ourselves up to curiosity and, and allow, you know, sort of our minds to take us, you know, where our minds want to take us and, you know, allowing ourselves to be who we truly are and, and listening to the profound truths that are, you know, applicable to many different tactics, many different strategies, because, you know, most of the folks listening here are, you know, entrepreneurs, they're real estate investors, they're aspiring real estate investors, they're business owners, or, you know, they're wanting to make that leap so that they can elevate. But it is so interesting how, you know, if we apply the things that we talked about today in terms of taking risk and being persistent and being a leader, you know, you can apply those to anything that you're doing and you can create such an amazing life. And at the end of the day, what else are we here for? We're here to create an amazing life for ourselves, for others, um, you know, for, for others around us to inspire other people. And, and I think it's so inspiring. And I'm just so grateful for your presence today, Gary. I'm so, so thankful for so much wisdom that you shared with us because there is absolutely a ton of nuggets of wisdom. And I just want to thank you again. And uh, with all that said, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you, about Roofstock and how they can engage with your company as well. Uh, sure. So, um, very simple. Roofstock.com is our website. Just how it sounds. Um, now I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the best way to reach out to me or an email if it's work related. Um, just Gary at Roofstock.com. If anyone has any questions about how that all works, and and um, I talk to people all the time about our business and can put you in touch with uh, the right folks if you're interested in learning more about how all that works. Absolutely. That's roofstock.com. Of course, we'll put the link there in the show notes and you definitely want to learn more about what they're doing because it's exciting. There's no barriers to investing in real estate. It's very, very easy and innovative, right? If you just want to be inspired, you just want to learn more about, you know, how Gary is raising the bar, how he's pushing, you know, the limits and, and leading other people. You certainly want to engage there beyond just the investment opportunity. So, take a look there. And beyond that, I definitely want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show because, as I mentioned, I mean, I, I, I truly believe there's so much 
wisdom. There's so much profound knowledge here that you can apply to your life immediately. And, you know, what I would do is identify, you know, what are the top three key distinctions that you can apply in your life? And what can you do to share this with someone else? What can you do to pay it forward and elevate someone else around you? Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it is about sharing. It is about giving to others. It's about being a teacher. And it's also about taking massive action because the only way to, you know, really get that inspiration and really to fail and to, you know, embrace that failure and to create something new and to create, you know, and elevate to a life without limits is about putting it into action because knowledge is only potential power. So with all of that said, Gary, I just want to thank you so much again for being on the show. Absolutely, Taylor. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.